Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. You're listening to The Cleveland Browniacs, a show where two moderately intelligent guys attempt to make sense of the Cleveland Browns. The Cleveland Browniacs podcast is a part of the Fanatical Elves podcast network, a part of the Fans First Sports Network. Here are your hosts, Elliot Kennel and Joel Cade. All right, welcome to week one. It is week one, finally, after all those months of waiting through the dark times, the empire took over. Whatever kind of dark analogy you have, we've had to go through all that. And we've come, emerged on the other side. And tonight, as of the time of this recording, tonight will be week one, game one, with the Detroit Lions at the uh, Kansas City Chiefs. But more importantly, it is the Battle of Ohio right out the gate. The Cincinnati Bengals come up to take on your Cleveland Browns. And uh, Elliot, you got any thoughts on this game just as a start before we get into everything? Anything you excited to look at? Well, first of all, I'm really pumped. It's it's about time for the NFL to start. I think they should have NFL football year-round, frankly. There ought to be a way that we can do this. But uh yeah, I'm I've been looking forward to this. It's like it's Christmas time. Let's open the presents and see what we've got. I'm concerned really about the level of health on the defense. I looked and there's a lot of guys that are questionable. Miles Garrett was injured a little bit with a foot injury. We don't know what his status is. That's huge. Miles Garrett has as much value to the Cleveland Browns as a quarterback. If you were uh, handicapping this game, you'd probably say that he's worth like five or six points to the Browns, just like a quarterback in terms of his impact. Um, And also there's a lot of guys that are hurt in the secondary. Denzel Ward is a huge question mark. People are talking about, Oh, well, he's practicing. I think he's going to be okay. I don't know. I'm I'm very pessimistic on that point. I think the Browns are very thin in the secondary. They're going up against Joe freaking Burrow, who I think is the best quarterback in the NFL. The only thing that's really in our favor is that he hasn't been able to practice that much because of his own injury. I think he'll be 100% physically, but he hasn't had the chance to practice, and he hasn't had the opportunity to evade the pass rush. You know, he hasn't practiced that live under fire. And so I think that, yeah, he might be a little bit rusty and it might be kind of a sloppy game for him, but he's enormously talented, Joel. What do you think? Yeah, I agree. I mean, Miles Garrett is a real key to this game. And I'll just say week one and week two is one of the most up in the air weeks in the NFL. You just never know what's going to happen in week one and week two. Most teams emerge after the first two weeks at one-on-one. If you win week one, you generally lose week two. If you lose week one, you make a comeback and win week two. Um, but week one is all about how much preparation, how much, how ready are your players? Not necessarily did you prepare mentally, but physically. Did you come out of camp physically ready to play football? You know, Some people take the preseason off. Are those people ready to play football? I'm not a fan of people taking preseason off, but it happens. 
I'm not sure some of these players are going to be physically ready to play football, but we'll see what happens. I will say this. I think you're, uh, you're probably more hot, uh, down on the Browns team than I am. I'm not so concerned because I don't think the, the Bengals secondary, and we can get into this later, is really going to be able to handle the new Browns passing attack. And I also think that the Bengals offense is going to have a hard time stopping the Browns defensive line. And the key to beating the Bengals has always been since Joe Burrow's come around is sacking Joe Burrow, making him uncomfortable in the pocket. You pressure him, Bengals lose. That That's kind of how it's worked. Yeah, I, th- I think I agree with you on those points. And uh, let me put up some graphics, if I may. Sure. Um, I think that the the Bengals really have a offense that's similar to the uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers offense when Ben Roethlisberger was the quarterback. Are you seeing the graphics now? Well, the graphics are up, but you got to hit uh, start slideshow. Yeah, that's what okay. you got to be right there. All right. And what we're looking at here is the Bengals offense lined up against the Browns defense with the names. So yeah, that's okay. pretty easy to find. Let's, well, you can just mention about, who you want to talk about. Yeah, I think let's talk about the the uh, Browns defense first. Uh, we have some question marks health-wise. Denzel Ward is the biggest one. I don't know that I think he's going to play. Well, we'll see. If he does play, I think they're going to have to rotate in some uh, cornerbacks, defensive backs, big question mark. I think that I'd like to have seen some additional corners uh, selected. I'm still mad that we didn't take Q. Boo uh, Kelly from uh, Baltimore when he was available on waivers. I think that was a mistake to let him go. I think they really should fortify the the defensive backfield. But anyway, on this graphic, for those who are not uh, viewing this, we have the defense of the Browns on top, the uh, offense of the Bengals on the bottom. And what they do typically is they they have a spread formation with Burrow about seven yards uh, behind the center, and they, they never move him around. It's just like the Steelers used to do with Ben Roethlisberger, and I can never really understand it. Uh, they have to get the ball out in like two and a half seconds, and that really limits the ability of uh, Burrow to throw the bomb to Jamar Chase and T. Higgins, and that's fine with me because I really don't want them to throw the ball deep. They have to get the ball out in a hurry, and their offensive line has trouble protecting Joe Burrow. One thing I want to point out is the matchup between Miles Garrett and Orlando Brown. We've seen that before in Baltimore. Yep. But in that case, they were protecting who? Lamar Jackson, who can run. And Joe Burrow really wants to, uh, you know, stay tall, stand tall in the pocket. And he's never been, you know, Orlando Brown has never been challenged to contain Miles Garrett to the extent that he will have to do for Joe Burrow. I think well, that assumes Elliot. Elliot, that assumes that Miles Garrett's going to line up on that side of Orlando Brown, just go at it, game in and game out. We've seen that with coordinators in the past. <clears throat> That's why they're in the past. And so I really think that we're going to see him moving around. You know, Orlando Brown may go up against Darius Smith. They may have mm. Okoronkwo on there at a certain time. Things are going to happen on that defensive line to give Miles Garrett one-on-one opportunities. And I think uh, Jim Schwartz is going to understand how to do that. There may be a lot of matchups between 
Garrett and Orlando Brown, but I wouldn't expect that to be the main event because mm-hmm. I don't think they're just going to sit there and line them up that way and just go at it. I don't see Jim Schwartz doing that. So <clears throat> I agree with what you're saying. Mm-hmm. I'm just not sure it's going to be all day, every play. That's going to be the, the case. Well, that's a very good point. In fact, I'll, I'll uh, point out that in the depth chart for um, <laughs> ESPN, they actually list Miles on the other side and their base formation, they actually list three defensive ends in their front four rather than the way I have listed it with uh, two defensive ends and two defensive tackles. Well, so you make more sense than ESPN does. Let's put it that way. <laughs> but yeah, I think that Miles will probably return to the right side most of the time, but I do think that he's going to move around just exactly as you say. I think we could see mm-hmm. Miles attack the middle of the line uh, rather than always going around the outside, which is what they did last year. All the time, they had uh, double teaming on Miles, and he would go around the the uh, long way around um, uh, trying to, to uh, pressure the quarterback. And the idea was that they were going to get uh, lots of sacks for Jadivian Clowney, but in reality, he only had like two sacks the entire season, so it didn't work. Now, it, it might work better with uh, uh, Zadarius Smith, but the point is that they probably will make a lot more stunts uh, with this defense than with last year's defense, which really just didn't work. Let's, let's right, and last year's defense had Miles Garrett just lining up and running outside anyway. Yeah, on the like, wrong side, by the way. Yes. Yeah, that that was that was just what they did. They just shot a gap and just ran in the backfield and tried to do something with mm-hmm. it. You know, this year you're going to see a little bit more con, um, controlled pass rush from Garrett. I'm hoping the defensive scheme itself should call for a more controlled pass rush. But you know, there might be times Garrett's going to sell out. But I don't think you're going to have the sell out every single play to the point where other teams were basically just using that against Miles Garrett. Let's just mm-hmm, drop mm-hmm. a guy back in a pass rush, watch him try to run around the tackle while we run a running back right through the hole he vacated. I'm, yes. I'm hoping we don't see that this year with uh, with the Jim Schwartz scheme. And w- what about rotating uh, defensive linemen in and out? We didn't see a lot of that uh, last year either. Well, teams do rotate. <clears throat> we, we did a more rotation than you think. A lot mm-hmm. of... I would get frustrated because the first team defensive line actually wasn't that bad against the run. The second team defensive line was absolutely terrible. And when you saw a team come in and just start running the ball down the field, that's when the second defensive line was in. So part of way th- that would happen about half the season. Then part of way through the season, they just started rotating individually. So you may take out one starter and put in one backup with three starters or three starters or three backups of one starter. Started trying to relieve some of that. But generally, you see about the middle of the second quarter, you see a rotation wave of the second defensive line in, or you'll see some secondary players with the second team secondaries. So the way you manage reps is is a thing that happens in the NFL. Announcers make it out of their way to not point out that the second team line is in. That's usually when they're talking about the Bengals' first team is when the second team line is Mm -hmm. in. Okay. That's, All right. So, yeah. so pay attention. I mean, just a tip to anybody watching TV, just when, when you see somebody talking about so-and-so on offense and there's a lot of camera shots on the offense, there's a good chance the second defense is in. 
Yeah, well, I, I just felt like Miles, uh, especially, was kind of overworked and wasn't as effective at the end of the game as I would have liked him to be. Oh, but, that's okay. true. That's true. Uh, let, let me because uh, the backups were not to that the, good. To the other side of the ball. Um, let's see if I can get this guy to. Oops, there we go. Uh, yeah, here we are. Um, I want to talk also about our offense. I've shown here uh, Deshaun Watson further back from the ball than uh, Joe Burrow because I, for whatever reason, the Bengals have this rule that Burrow has to always be exactly seven yards behind the uh, center, and the Browns move uh, Deshaun Watson around a little bit more. Uh, which, uh, you know, good for the Browns. I, I think the Bengals are crazy. But anyway, I think that, yeah, the Browns are going to sack uh, Burrow probably about three times um, because of that inflexibility. Um, the Browns have a much better offensive line. All the, you know, from left to right, they're bigger, stronger, and faster than the, than the Bengals. Um, the Bengals also have some problems that they've lost three defensive backs from last year and uh you know they yes they have some new guys that they're bringing along and they've got some guys that were injured last year and they've drafted the guy but look everybody drafts somebody and everybody has mm -hmm. somebody that's recovered from injuries they just really did not add anybody on uh, on uh, defense uh, the and only to make guy that, that they worse had, to make that worse, Elliot, Chidobe Awuzie missed half the season with an ACL tear, and he's coming back <clears throat> after, what, not even 12 months? Well, so that's true. I don't know how, what kind of a strength he's going to be able to play back there. You know, that's true. On the other hand, they've uh, been able to accelerate the recovery period from that injury and the odds are in his favor that he'll be able to recover from that. That's no longer the career-threatening injury that it was back in our day. Oh, I um, agree, but I'm not sure that after nine months he's going to be 100%. He's not going to be 100% until next season. Well, that he's going to be out there be, playing. Used to be a rule of thumb, but I've, you know, I'm not an authority on the subject. I'm not an MD, not a doctor. But I've looked at the return to play rates uh, in the medical literature, and they're actually pretty good. Uh, so I think that Awuzie may, in fact, be able to play at a pretty high level, uh, even though it's been less than a year since the injury. It used to be a rule of thumb was that it took two full years to recover from an ACL injury, but that's no longer the case. Yeah, I still don't think he's going to be 100%. Okay, not like we'll he was out. last year. They, yeah, Elliot, hold on a second. Hmm. Before we continue on, we got to take our break here. Oh, um, okay. We got to take our break. We're, we're past our break time. So, guys, hang on. We'll we're gonna take a station break and try to get paid. And uh, after the end, of, after the break, we'll come back. We'll talk with Elliot some more about offense and defense here. So, hang on. And we're back, everybody. Thanks for hanging on. I'm sure Elliot's got something he wants to talk about. Yeah, I do want to talk about. I'd like to make an offer to all of the sports bars in Ohio that if you would like to host us during a Browns game or actually at any time, 
Uh, please get in contact with us through Twitter or some any of the other ways to contact us through. We have uh, the email at the, le- the left guard at gmail.com. Or you can contact me at uh, TH Village Elliot. And uh, all we need is uh, reimbursement for mileage, and uh, we will work for food. Uh, we'd like to feature your establishment on our show allow you to talk about the uh, food and drink that you offer sports fans at your establishment and make some friends and talk some football at your place. Uh, let's face it, we're not the hugest sports operation in the uh, country, and we'd like to make some friends and find some viewers, and I think we can probably cut you a deal. How does that sound? What do you think? Contact Elliot. We'll come down. We'll do our show live from your bar, from yeah. your place. Yeah, it'll be, it'll be fun, and uh, you'll get some free publicity, and people come flocking to your place. Say, wow, this establishment actually hosted the Browniacs. That's incredible. They will know who you are. You will be on the map. There you Couldn't go. Couldn't be any more incredible than that. So let's get back to Bengals Browns here for a second. I don't think we were done with the offense and defense or the, the Browns offense and the Bengals defense. Yeah. Is that where should we're we, at? Should we go back to the slides? We don't have to go back to the slides. I mean, okay. all that was, was a, a, a situation where we had the, the Browns offense up against the Bengals defense. I think the, the offensive line, the Browns offensive lines really got a tough, tough road ahead. And, and I think that's going to be, determinant of how effective the Browns are this week. They've uh, between Sam Hubbard and a lot of the guys on that defensive line, BJ Hill and DJ reader. And uh, you know, they've got a lot of guys on that Bengals defensive line that can control the line of scrimmage. Mm -hmm. And so the running game is going to have to be opened up through the passing game. All right. And so it also means constraint plays are going to be important for the Browns this week. We're talking about screen plays, draws, um, Deshaun Watson just running on his own. Those are going to be big, important plays for the for the Browns this week, uh, given that the defensive line is a very good defensive line. And <clears throat> quite honestly, I haven't seen our offensive line put this thing together yet in the preseason or even last year they were struggling. So I think the offensive line's got something they got to prove. Everybody walking around talking about how great they are. It, it's time for them to prove it, and, and Sunday will be the time they need to do it. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I, I think it's long past due that we make Nick Chubb into more of a versatile two-dimensional player. I think Nick is a fine pass receiver, and they've had a, a you know, finally the time to work with Deshaun Watson long enough that we're going to see that this season. I think uh He's going to get a lot of passing yards. He'll probably set a career high for passing yards as long as he stays healthy. Please stay healthy. (laughs) Well, I think I think the passing starts this week, though, because the Browns got to come in throwing the ball with the weakened secondary, the Bengals and the strong defensive line the Bengals have. They're going to have to start throwing and they're going to throw to open up run lanes. Yes. And I think both sides, really, you look at the secondaries on both teams and they don't look particularly strong or formidable. In the Browns' case, I don't think that they're completely healthy. And uh, I, I think there's going to be some air yards uh, on both sides. It wouldn't mm-hmm. shock me that if there aren't a few turnovers as well. 
because I don't right. think that they're going to be in mid-season form. But that's where both teams are vulnerable. Yeah. And uh, yeah, so I, I do look for kind of a shootout. I, I agree with you. I think there's going to be a shootout this week. And it's ultimately, I think, going to come down to which defensive line can dominate the other offensive line. Can the Browns get to Burrow? That's the yes, first question. And can, can the Bengals get to Watson? And taking that as the cue, I like Watson over Burrow because Watson can run. Watson is, or at one point has been a top five quarterback, just like Joe Burrow. The difference is Watson can run and can great with his legs. Burrow can on occasion, but I think his error, his point of caution is I'm going to stand here and try to throw the ball. I think Watson's error is going to be I'm going to start running. And I think well, Watson will mm-hmm. leave yards on the field because he runs. And Burrow will throw an interception to not run. I, you know, I, th- I think Burrow is actually much more athletic than people give him credit for. I think he's a very good runner. I think he doesn't – they don't really want him to run because he had that knee injury and also because they have installed the Ben Roethlisberger offense for reasons that I don't completely understand or agree with. So they're motivated to keep him stationary. Mm-hmm. But if there's pressure, he is very elusive and he will be difficult to bring down. But I think that the Browns really have the personnel to get after a quarterback and they will mm-hmm. – I think they'll probably sack him about three times. That's kind of what I think they'll do. Well, the, the key number there is four. You want four or more. At times that he's been sacked four or more times, Joe Burrow has not had a 100-point QBR. So if you can keep his QBR as in like effectiveness and passing, yards, this kind of thing, keep that down. Yeah. Well, you know, I, if, I remember, remember he made the playoffs uh, one time when he got sacked like nine times or something like that. That was crazy. He, he yeah. is an unbelievable quarterback. And I've said this a few times that I believe that he has the same kind of mentality that you find in the military among these green berets and stuff where they absolutely don't get flustered no matter what you do to them. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's just an incredible person. His mental makeup is not like a normal person he does not get flustered he stays completely cool under all circumstances you just have to beat him there's just right nothing you can do to rattle him yep all right hey let's let's shift gears here for a second let's go around the league is there any game in week one that you're interested in talking about we don't have to talk about all of them but if there's anything that you think hey this is going to be an interesting game give me a game or two or let's just start with one then i'll go with one well, I'll tell you what, I'm very interested to see what's going to happen with the New York Jets this season, not just today or this week's game. This week's but, game, by the way, is the Monday night against the Bills, which is, in my which, opinion, yeah, must-see that's, football. That's must-see, that's must-see football right there. But, yeah, I, I really believe that the Bills will take it to them. Um, I think that the Jets have a premier defense, and they should win games on that but I, I just think that the hype machine has been on so hard on the Jets offense that well, I basically feel like I want to throw up. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I, I this I'll, I'll talk about a game that I don't really want to watch, but it just disgusts me that this is the way the NFL works. So the Houston Texans with the number one pick 
who not the number one pick, the second pick. Second pick, who, yeah. Who have a rookie quarterback starting his first NFL game is going to Baltimore to play the Ravens. So this is where, you know, people say like the NFL isn't rigged, but how is it that like the Ravens have the Texans week one and then everybody's talking about, Oh, the Ravens have a terrible schedule. They got all these road games beginning of the year, except remember that the last two months of the season, they play every AFC North opponent at home. Their schedule is set up for them to succeed. Like somebody paid the schedule maker. I swear, I swear it. <laughs> somebody is paying the schedule maker to give them the Texans week one. It's like a college warm-up game. Let's go find the backwood water middle Bubba County, Georgia football team and play against the professional team, just like Alabama does every year. Somebody's so, gotta play the Texans though. Yeah, but you could Texans? put it this way: you could put the Texans against another team that's not real good. I'm sure you can find it. Somebody's starting. In fact, you could just have the Texans play the Colts week one, who are also starting a rookie quarterback, and you have it a division game, and you're not giving some team a a college-style gimme. And then next week, we're going to have to listen to all this Ravens are the greatest team on the planet crap until they finally lose a game, probably the second week of the season, because they're going to be overbloated with their own self after like destroying the Texans who have no business playing professional football right now. Well, yeah, that, that is true. So do we get to play? Let me look at the schedule here. I've got that up on my, I think we got the Texans in December when everybody's figured out how to play football. Oh, okay. Well, that's, so it's not going to, it's not going to be the same game. Well, it's not going to be the same team. That's true. Now look at the schedule though. Uh, Browns get to play the Texans and the Jets, you know, Jets, I, I, you know, and that's a short week. It's the 24th, and then the Jets, 40-year-old uh, Aaron Rodgers has four days to recover, and then he plays the Browns uh, on the 28th of December. Um, I don't know if that's such a good thing for Mr. Rodgers. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I think the Browns... Browns have a good schedule at the end of the year. I did see that uh, Nick Bosa did sign his contract, so we'll see if he actually plays against the Steelers. I know George Kittle has been injured, so you have a possibility of the Steelers week one playing a 49ers team without Nick Bosa and without George Kittle. And you know they're going to be playing against us. So I don't know. I don't know where this is coming from. How do these schedule makers make this so that, like, you know, the cupcakes go play the Ravens week one every year. Well, remember that year they remember that year they started off against the Dolphins who were clearly tanking and the Ravens put up a 56 number on them. Yeah, I feel like well, that's what's about to happen on, on, on this week. Well, yeah, I, I would say the odds are prohibitive that the Ravens would win against a team with a rookie quarterback. With his first start as a rookie. The, uh, yeah, first start can't be good. And then also the Colts experiment. I think that is the nuttiest thing I've I've ever heard of. Uh, oh, I highlighted Colts. that game. I highlighted that game in my podcast. I can't for the life of me remember who they're playing. Um, but, man, come on. I think it's somebody else that has a uh, – rebuilding uh, is it washington or somebody like that 
It might be Washington. I'm looking it up right now. I'm looking at my Pick'em League. Because I know I took who, who the other team. Like, I don't care. If you're starting a rookie in his first. Uh, Jacksonville. They got Jacksonville going in there with uh, Trevor Lawrence, who finally oh. took a step last year. And now they're going to go in there and play the Colts. Why not put the Colts up against the Texans? Well, yeah, I don't I don't like, you know, there's a guy that hardly played college football and oh, well he can run real fast, so maybe he can create and confuse the Jaguars. Have you noticed this phenomenon? This might be more of a draft discussion, but have you noticed that like all through the college football year, they're talking about one or two quarterbacks and then all of a sudden like some quarterback comes out of nowhere. And you're like Who's this guy? How is this guy like going to be the first pick in the draft now after having not heard about this guy for the entire college year? Well, and then some team takes him. That's Anthony Richardson. That was also who's the guy in New York, uh, the guy that played for BYU that nobody heard of until like draft day, and then they traded up to go get him. These people come out of nowhere, and they're like, "Oh my god, why is he not good?" Well, because he sucked in college. But you think because he has a strong arm and he has the body to play in the NFL that all of a sudden he's going to turn into something. And none of, well, I won't say none because Josh Allen did turn into a good quarterback. Rarely Which do I, those people. I predicted after viewing his film, by the way. Rarely do those yeah. people he never heard of come into the NFL and actually turn out to be something. But people, mm. Trey, Trey Lance is another one of these guys. Like, why would you expect him to do something? He didn't do anything in the college. Yeah, Why would he do something Zach, now? Zach Wilson, this guy you were thinking. Zach about. Wilson, Trey yeah. Lance. Well, yeah. These, I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Yeah, if they don't play football, <laughs> how can they really, you know, the thing is, is that your so-called franchise quarterback, you just add it up. You only get like one, you know, every other year you know there aren't that many people that succeed brilliantly and have a you know a 10-year career in the nfl as a starting quarterback there just can't be that many people that do that it's just not possible you just figure out the, the do the do the math there's not that many teams there's there's 32 teams and so if you want to have a quarterback right. that has a 10-year career you know that the there's not that many jobs available now and just so wait next next february five guys in a year do that it's impossible right um, next february next march we'll be hearing about some guy gonna be the first overall pick and we're all like who the heck is this guy oh by the way the another interesting game to watch in case you don't know who the heck is this guy are the falcons and i believe uh the panthers are at falcons and then you have bryce young Rookie quarterback, first overall start at the Falcons. Their arch rivals, who are starting Desmond Ritter out of Cincinnati, who played some last year, but not enough to like shed the rookie label. Now that's a game where you have two basically rookie quarterbacks playing each other. Mm-hmm. That might be an interesting game. Which like which team sucks the least bowl? You know, I mean, I think the Falcons yeah. are going to win that game because they have continuity in terms of offense and defense, and I think they have some better weapons than the Panthers do, but. You know, Panthers are coming in with a brand new defense. They're transitioning from that 3-4 style to the 4-3 style, and I don't think their players fit the scheme that they're playing. And I don't think their offense is gelled enough to be successful at this point. So it's just a matter of which team sucks less. Now, why can't why can't the Texans play one of those teams? 
Why you got to set? Why you got to set like some team that you think is going to contend for the Super? Not that I think it, but somebody else thinks it, and you give them some patty cake team to play week one. It's just stupid. It's just dumb. I I bet Biscotti's paying off the schedule makers. It happens every freaking year. Even General Motors are, are General Motors, General Managers are just as dumb as us fans and sports writers. You know, their, their belief in superhuman quarterbacks makes no rational sense. These quarterbacks that are being drafted in the first round, to me, I think there's a very good case to believe that they can be decent quarterbacks. You know, like Bryce Young, I think because of his size, it's pretty obvious to me that he cannot be a superstar quarterback. He cannot be a historically great quarterback, but it's pretty clear that he can play in the NFL and that he can succeed, throw 300-yard games and stuff like that. I would have to say this about Bryce. Be a historically great quarterback. I mean, you never know, but I, I'm going to say this: Have you seen him line up under center? I mean, yeah, he looks I mean, like he's he, a junior high kid out there. Yeah, I mean, it's I mean, like he does line up under center. He can walk underneath the center's legs. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it, I I legit when I was uh, coaching Pee Wee football had a guy. Uh, a sixth grader that kind of hit a growth spurt and he was about five nine five ten which is really big for a sixth grader right and another kid who was about five two and the five two kid was the quarterback and he would line up and try to get under center and like his head was barely over the center's butt it was funnier than crap to watch like he had to lift his hands up this high to take the snap it was ridiculous but that's what Bryce Young looks like now I've watched some of the preview pre uh, preseason games and preseason. He looks pretty good. Now that doesn't mean that all of a sudden NFL defenses are actually going to play defense against him. And then he doesn't fall apart, you know, unless they played the Ravens, of course, because they're out there trying to win preseason games, but they didn't play the Ravens in the preseason. So they're not, he hasn't seen an actual NFL defense. We don't know what he's going to be. I, I would be shocked. I would be shocked if he doesn't struggle week one against the Falcons and the Falcons aren't even really that good. Well, you know, I mean, he can throw, I mean, Doug Flutie was his size and, you know, Doug was a very good Doug Flutie was weighed more than Bryce Young does. Yeah. But I mean, he was very small quarterback, Eddie LeBaron. Um, these people were very successful, but they weren't historically great and worthy of a first overall pick. That's my point. All right. Well, as a, you got you know that the Fal- the uh, Panthers are my NFC team. As a quasi Panthers fan, man, I'm concerned. Week one, <laughs> the team looks like a mess. But anyway, I, th- I think the the must game to see to watch the must watch game this week is the Bills Jets Monday Night Football. Yeah, that'll be that's great. the game. That's okay. the game to watch. All, All right, right, so hey, and this week we I'm gonna wrap this up here. We've got Bengals at Browns. When was the last time Joe Burrow beat? Cleveland in Cleveland. Has he ever? Well, he only no, won he one has, time. He has never beaten the Browns in Cleveland that I'm aware of. I mean, I think the one win was actually in Cincinnati. So let's just keep that streak going. Go Browns. All right. And here we go. Thank you for listening to the Cleveland Browniacs. Please like and follow us on Spotify and give us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. Go Browns!